This is the Jackson Neal Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast here on Friday, November 8th, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a special guest, Mike Rutherford, making his first appearance on the podcast. He's the founder and manager of CardChronicle.com, the college basketball editor for SB Nation, and the co-host of Ramsey and Rutherford on 790 KRD down in Louisville, Kentucky. Brought him on the podcast to talk about college basketball. And before we jump into that, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud. New episodes come out every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform to stay up to date. So we've officially entered the time of the year where we have so many different sports going on. I mean, it just last month, the NHL kicked off, and then the NBA as well. NFL's in full swing. College football's looking great tomorrow. Game of the century between LSU and Alabama. So it everything is in full season right now, and... This week, college basketball also tipped off for the first time. So, with that in mind, I wanted to bring someone on to talk about the season, to preview the season, because with the way college basketball works and all the one-and-dones, it's kind of difficult to follow it year by year. I mean, you know, last year, Duke was the biggest story with R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and, of course, Zion Williamson, and now all of those players are gone. So I wanted to get some insight onto, okay, who are the big teams this year? Who are the players to be looking out for? Who are some maybe other teams, you know, mid-major squads who could be making some noise? And just get an overall preview of the season uh, heading into this new year. So I brought on Mike to answer all of those questions and a little bit more. He has some really, really great insight, really knowledgeable about the game. And I'm sure that after listening to this, you're going to be a lot more prepared for the season. I certainly was after talking with him. Uh, So with that said, let's jump right into it. Going into this season, what are some of the the teams looking like to be the best? Like, Who are some of the teams at the top of the rankings? Uh, Michigan State was a near-unanimous number one, even though they lost uh, night one to Kentucky. I I think they returned more established talent than anybody else in college basketball last season. They upset Duke last year in the Elite Eight, made it to the Final Four. They bring back Cassius Winston, who's pretty much everybody's national player of the year. Cassius Winston is actually the first uh, first team All-American from the previous season to come back to college basketball since Doug McDermott did it for Creighton back in 2012 and in 2013. So, you know, typically in recent years when you've had a player good enough to be a postseason first-team AP All-American, they've gone ahead and made that leap to the NBA or they've been seniors. Cassius Winston, the exception of that rule, was not great against Kentucky, but everybody's still expecting him to have a massive year. They bring back Xavier Tillman, who was a key contributor last year. Um, Aaron Henry, who played big minutes. Kyle Arnes. A lot of guys that are established college names. And they also have a solid freshman class. Uh, led by Rocket Watts, who's probably going to have to be a starter. If there is a concern with Michigan State uh, outside of losing on night one, it's the fact that Joshua Langford, who's a guy that everybody expected to be healthy and back after missing most of last season, is now going to be out until at least January with a lingering foot injury. And the way they're talking about him certainly sounds like uh, he may not play at all this season. That's a, that, that's a big loss. Kentucky, the team that beat Michigan State, very, very good. Um, always loaded with young talent. They've got a couple of experienced guys you kind of use that in air quotes because with Kentucky uh, experience means one season so you've got Ashton Higgins back who was their starting point guard last year he's running the show again this season Nick Richards is a junior down low who's uh, I think made some solid leaps he defended really well 
against Michigan State, and then E.J. Montgomery is a, a second-year big man as well. They've got to find a reliable post presence on offense. Uh, I'm not sure if they have that, but Tyrese Maxey, maybe the star of stars on opening night, um, was the player of the game at the Champions Classic. He, he was fantastic. He had the game-winning, not the game-winning shot, but basically the game-stealing shot, a 25-footer. I, I think he's going to emerge as the alpha male on that Kentucky team. He's going to be their superstar this year. Uh, Duke should be fantastic. Kansas should be fantastic. Those two teams played the other Champions Classic game. It was sloppy. They'll both get a lot better. Louisville's the other top five team. Uh, they look terrific on opening night, beating Miami down. And then I think if you're looking for, uh, you know, somebody right outside that top five, a lot of people are pointing to Florida. They brought back a lot from last year. Uh, Andrew Nemhart's one of the most underrated players in the country at point guard. And they added the best grad transfer in America and Kerry Blackshear Jr., who comes over for Virginia Tech. He was terrific for them on their opening night. I think those are the six teams that most people have circled as the best in the country as we start the season. Definitely, yeah, that kind of top tier. And that crazy thing about Michigan State being ranked number one, I, you know, I saw it was the first time ever in Tom Izzo's tenure they were number one in the preseason, which just sounded kind of odd considering how great they've been. But the two teams, I want to look at a team like Duke because obviously last year they had this all-time in terms of just pure talent uh, uh, one-and-done class with Zion Williams and R.J. Barrett um, and a couple other guys. How are they looking going into this season? How much have they retooled? I mean, you just mentioned them in this top tier. They're obviously, I guess, inexperienced in with losing all of those top players, right? Yeah, they do. Um, the good news for them is they did get Trey Jones back, the starting point guard from last year. Uh, he was the one member of that four-man class that was kind of forgotten about at times last season until he got injured. Then everybody wanted to talk about Trey Jones. Um, him deciding to come back was a huge, huge blessing for Mike Krzyzewski. Um, he's a, a solid offensive player. He played well enough on offense against Kansas uh, to be the leading scorer, scored 15 points, dished out seven assists. He's more of a facilitator, though. I think he's going to have to develop a at least somewhat reliable outside shot for them to have the right amount of spacing in their half-court sets. But he's one of the best on-court, uh, on-ball defenders in all of college basketball. That's where his value really lies. Um, the, 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 it's it's going to be mostly the freshmen outside of him. Cash's family was really good in their opener. I think Matthew Hurt is going to be their most reliable and consistent offensive player this season. I really like his game. Vernon Carey, the big man, is the he was the highest rated recruit in this class. But when you look at it, I mean, you're right. There's no Zion Williamson in this class. There's no R.J. Barrett in this class. There's no real Cam Reddish in this class. Like I would be shocked if any of the Duke freshmen wind up becoming top 10 picks in the upcoming draft. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe somebody takes a flyer on a guy like Vernon Carey. But it seems like this is going to be a more traditional Duke freshman class that comes around a little bit slower, that maybe looks more like the, the solid college players and not the raw future NBA superstars. They do have some other returning talent. Alex O'Connell played big minutes last year. He's going to be back. Jack White, who was famous for missing like a billion consecutive three-pointers last year, <laughs> uh, is back again and hoping to find his outside shot. And then Wendell Moore and Javin Deloria are both back in the front court. So they've got some, I think they've got some good young pieces. They've got some good quote unquote veteran pieces. If you want to refer to Trey Jones, the veteran, I think they're going to be fine. They may not be as exciting as last year, but I think Mike Krzyzewski's hope is that by the time the tournament rolls around, they'll be peaking more at the right time than last year's team was. Definitely. Yeah, that was the problem with last year's teams. They seemed to almost peak maybe a little too early. And you're right about Trey Jones. I mean, watching him on uh, as an on-ball defender, one of my favorite things in college basketball. I was pretty excited to see him uh, coming back, especially now in more, you know, a bigger role. We'll get to see more of him. The other team I have, I have a question about is, is this Kansas team. There's all of these this NCAA noise, these investigations going around this program. I mean, that whole mess of their first night of – was that night at the – um, 
their first night of basketball with Snoop Dogg and all that. How much of an <laughs> Im- how much of an impact do you think all of this noise around the program is going to have on this Jayhawk season? It's going to come down to the players. I mean, I think that if they can tune it out and recognize the fact that any news that comes up over the next five months isn't going to affect their 2019-20 season, then they should be fine. I mean, they're going to hear about it. There's going to be that they've already got their notice of allegations. They're going to issue their response to that notice of allegations at some point in the next two months. Uh, I guess they had 90 days to respond. So the NCAA is probably going to say something back to them before the season ends. And they're going to be stories written, especially if they do make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. You're going to have that national media that doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to college basketball until the NCAA tournament, writing stories about them being the issue with the, with the sport and a reflection of all that's wrong and all that stuff. And they're going to bring up the Snoop Talk thing and the Phil Self wearing that gigantic Adidas shirt and that chain during that video. Um, all that stuff's going to come up. But it, they have to recognize that it's not going to affect their season. Like, There's no way the timeline doesn't add up in a manner that would allow the NCAA to ban them from the postseason this year. There's nothing that can happen over the next few months that's going to keep Kansas from making a run of the national title if that's what they're going to wind up doing. Like they, they, They're going to be postseason eligible. They're going to be fine. And I think if you're a player for the Jayhawks right now, that's what you tell yourself. This is a season like any other. We don't pay attention to the news that much regardless of what's being said. Uh, we're, not, we're not going to let that happen. With Bill Self, maybe it's more of a concern because I, I think he definitely – is caught in the crosshairs more than a lot of the other head coaches that have been, you know, wrapped into this whole thing. If he can maintain focus and, you know, sort of just go about his daily routine and block out the outside noise, he should be fine. But it's a lot tougher to do when you're a head coach and you know that your reputation's on the line and you know that, you know, that there's a potential that you could get a show cause penalty or that you could get a massive suspension to start next season or that you're going to have the stain of potentially having that final four from a couple of years taken down. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of a concern, but I, I think in this day and age where you've got so much going on and these kids are so preoccupied with you know school and class and everything else going on during the season, I think they'll be able to put the blinders on and really just focus on their 2019-20 season. I'll say, I'll put it this way. If Kansas doesn't win a national title this year, I don't think it's going to be because of any of the outside noise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I think you're right with the whole players. I mean, especially nowadays with you know this this culture of one and dones and huge player turnovers at schools. It's like a lot of these players, you know, have just have just gotten there that they don't really care about the past Final Fours. I think you're right. I think Bill Self is the only person that really would be wor- you know have have the biggest worries and have the most um, to lose from this investigation and probably be the most preoccupied with it. But I mean, this is a, one of the most decorated college basketball head coaches of this generation, so we'll just have to see if he's able to shut it out. I think he will be able to. But um, I want to su- switch the conversation out of the National Player of the Year because you mentioned Cassius Winston. That's the guy I keep on hearing about. He was awesome last year and came back, like you said. But maybe who are some other names? Or is Cassius Winston just the clear runaway favorite? I think on paper he is. Um, he did not look the part on opening night, and I think the issue with Michigan State – because they've got more quality non-conference opponents to play here before they get into Big Ten play. Um, they're going to play Seton Hall in just a couple of uh, just a week, actually, which will be a nice test. He'll go head-to-head with Miles Powell, uh, who's another front-runner for National Player of the Year. But I think the name that you have to talk about as we sit here on opening week, North Carolina's Cole Anthony put on quite the show in his, uh, his college debut Wednesday night, scoring 34 points, lit up Notre Dame, um, got into an absolute zone where it seemed like he couldn't miss. He comes to, to GUNC with a lot of hype. Greg Anthony's son, he was, uh, according to a lot of people, the best player in last year's class, even though he didn't end up on top in most of the rankings. And he's going to have 
the ultimate green light this year. There's not a whole lot around him. There's not a whole lot of offensive talent that's going to use up a lot of possessions. Uh, if he's going to score you know, 35 points, they should be okay. I think the issue with North Carolina is going to be what happens when he has an off night, but that's a topic for another day. He's fantastic. He's going to, to put up a massive amount of numbers for a team that should be pretty good. I think he'll be right there in the National Player of the Year race. Mentioned Miles Powell. Uh, he's going to score a bunch of points for a Seton Hall team that brings back just about everybody from last year. They should be really good. They should be nationally relevant all season long. And then Marcus Howard, who is uh, arguably the, the best pure scorer in college basketball. He comes back to Marquette for one more season. He had a bunch of games last year where he scored 35 or more points. Uh, he scored 38 in their first game to start the season. I think he's going to be an explosive guy. The issue with Marcus Howard making a run for National Player of the Year is is his team going to be good enough for him to really garner enough votes? Because a lot of times, you know, they don't give this award to a guy that's putting up 30 points a game for a team that goes 14 and 18. Uh, you have to be on a team that's at least nationally relevant, NCAA tournament good. And the question with Marquette is, can they replace the loss of the Hauser brothers who both opted to transfer in the offseason, one to Virginia, one to Michigan State? Um, if Marquette's good enough to be like an NCAA tournament team and Howard is putting up ridiculous numbers and leading the nation in scoring, then he should be in the mix for National Player of the Year. I think the, the concern is that Marquette is going to fall off too significantly for him to, uh, to, to, to garner uh, an award like that. But those are the biggest names at the top of the list. I think Cole Anthony, Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, those are the top threats to Cassius Winston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had Cole Anthony's name written down, especially after that huge night. And I saw in one of your recent articles, um, you know, the 10 predictions that Cole Anthony, you said, would be one of the most fun players to watch. And that certainly uh, came true in this for these first couple of nights so far. Um, another team I wanted to talk about because I saw they had, they came into the season with a lot a lot of noise around them and because of their their giant recruiting class. I noticed you didn't mention them in your top tier of teams, but I'm talking about Memphis. They got the you know as many rated the top rated recruit and a couple other big guys. What what are some reasonable expectations for this Memphis team? Because obviously Penny Hardaway is making a lot of noise as head coach with the recruits he's bringing in. Yeah, the reasonable expectations. That's a fantastic question, and I don't think anybody knows exactly how to answer it. And that is the reason why Memphis is the most intriguing team in college basketball this season. Their recruiting class, I mean, screams top 10, um, but the program hasn't been in that place in a long time. Penny Hardaway, for as much as he's done on the recruiting trail, this is the second year that he's been a college head coach. I mean, he had zero experience coming into last season. He's been an AAU guy. He'd been a high school guy. He had, I mean, no experience, not just coaching college kids, but running a college program. It went okay last year, but it didn't go well enough for a, They weren't an, enough of an overachiever that uh, I think everybody looked at this year's team and said, well, they're going to be a top 10 good because he's got top 10 talent and we know what he's doing. I think the, ver- the jury is still definitely out on Penny Hardaway. The talent speaks for itself. I mean, James Wiseman is going to be, if not the number one pick, certainly a top five pick in next year's NBA draft. Uh, Precious Achua is the other big-time freshman. He's going to be the perfect complement to him down low. I do worry about the team's lack of a returning established college player. Jeremiah Martin did so much for them last year, and he was so good, and now he's gone. I, I think they would. They went after some grad transfers. The kid from Arkansas, Little Rock, was committed there. I think if he had been able to get eligible and been able to play, he would have helped them out considerably because you just don't see teams that don't have at least one proven, reliable player with with college experience you don't see those types of teams make final fours you don't see them win national titles you can be driven by freshmen but you have to have at least that one veteran presence to calm everybody down uh and and rely on his experience 
Memphis does not have that. They do have, um, I mean, just loaded with talent. Boogie Ellis, I think, is going to be a good player. Jaden Hardaway, I think, is going to be a good player. Alex Lomax can do a lot of great things. It's going to come down to how does Penny figure out how to divvy up these minutes. You've got a lot of kids with a lot of expectations for themselves who expect to play a lot of minutes. He can't play everybody. Uh, He played a bunch of guys in their season opener with reliable minutes, but he's got to make sure that everybody's happy. That's what Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari have been so good at, taking these kids who have these me-first attitudes, who expect to score 35 points a game and making them buy into the concept of team. Maybe Penny Hardaway can do that. Maybe he can't. Uh, It's going to be a really, really interesting season. I'm excited to watch them play some good teams during the non-conference portion of the year. And then getting into AAC play, the Americans should be a pretty good conference again, especially at the top. I think Wichita State is going to be back. Houston should be really good. They've got Quentin Grimes eligible. And then Cincinnati is always going to be good. So they're going to be a really fun team to follow all season long. I hope you can find where CBS Sports Network is on your TVs because that's where they're going to be playing a bunch. Uh, But they're going to be a lot of fun. But as far as reasonable expectations, man, I have zero idea of what to expect. Yeah, I mean that's the th- yeah it's a it's a wild team to be looking at as I you know read more and more about them I saw the that recruiting class it's like you're right usually when you get these big time recruits you think of someone like you know Calipari or Shashevsky usually they're the guys getting them so you, at least you know the coaching is is a is a standard it's a, it's a constant we know it's a good coach with Penny Hardaway we have no idea how he's going to be able to deal with these you know big time freshmen and then the fact that there is no senior leadership or you know more experienced leadership you're right it's i look at this memphis team and it, there is so many questions i just can't wait to see them in action and it's going to be fun too because they're going to be challenged early on they play oregon um in, in a, a, a neutral sort site location here next week um they're going to play a good old miss team that has an explosive guard and bring in tyree they play at tennessee which i think is going to be perhaps the most fun rivalry game in all of college basketball this season with Penny Hardaway and Rick Barnes going at it last year after the game and, and kind of the, the squabble they had on the court during the game. And they also played Georgia right before conference play. Georgia has an explosive guard in Anthony Edwards. Um, so they're going to be – they'll be tested by the time they get to AAC play. And I'm really curious to see how they live up to these tests. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I want to switch over and think about some, maybe some smaller schools, some mid-major schools. Because as I look at the top 25, as I look at you know some preseason rankings, there are some of these mid-major schools in these rankings. In your mind, is there maybe a top tier of these mid-major schools going into this season? Who are some of the schools that maybe are a little smaller, maybe we're not used to seeing uh, in the top 25, but you think could break into there? Yeah, outside of Gonzaga and St. Mary's, who I think everybody knows about, um, and I, I would probably lump Utah State into that category as well. They're a preseason top 20 team. They should run the Mountain West. Last year, Nevada had so much hype going into the season, and it wound up being Utah State who won both the regular season title in that conference and the uh, the tournament title in that conference. They bring back Sam Merrill, who's a potential All-American, and Demias Pita, who's hurt right now. Um, he, he's going to be healthy. He's a force inside. He didn't play in night one. They looked shaky against, uh, I think it was Montana State, but they should be a really, really good team. As far as teams more off the beaten path, I really like East Tennessee State. Uh, I've already written about them a few times. I think Steve Forbes is a rising star in the coaching ranks, and that 10 years from now, he's going to be a, a, a one of the, the five, considered one of the five best coaches in the sport. He's going to be at a major program. Would not be shocked at all if they won the Southern Conference and then upset somebody in the NCAA tournament. They should be really, really good. Vermont always runs the America East. They have a, uh, a senior in Anthony Lamb who's one of the best players in the country. I'd expect them to dominate that conference again and then get into the NCAA tournament, be like a 12 seed that everybody's picking to upset somebody, maybe a 13 seed. They can definitely make some noise. They gave Florida State a good game uh, in last year's NCAA tournament. I expect them to be even better this year. 
Liberty should be really good. They won a game in the tournament last year. And Harvard out of the Ivy League, um, they've, they've run into some bad luck in the, in the Ivy League tournament the last couple of years. They've had to play teams on their home court in the championship game despite being the top seed. This year, they're hosting the Ivy League tournament. They have one of the better players in the country in Bryce Aiken. Um, they have, I think, uh, the DNA of success. that They've been a really proven program for these last handful of years. I expect them to be really good. So keep an eye on all those teams. I'm trying to think of another one that nobody's talking about, but those are the ones that definitely stand out to me. Colgate, uh, I'll throw them out of the Patriot League, too. I think they can be really good. They were uh, pretty damn good last year. I think they should be even better this season. Some great teams to watch, maybe when there's not a huge marquee game on that night, especially that East Tennessee State. I'm I'm glad you mentioned them because I've read a couple of different things that have have ranked them a lot higher than you know. I didn't even I'm not really familiar with that program. I'll admit. So hearing about them is kind of kind of cool, kind of different. Um, but I want to end with now with probably the toughest question. I want to I saved the, the hardest question for last, Mike. What who is your prediction going into this season for the, to become the national champion? Who is your national title pick? You don't even get to see the March Madness bracket. It's hard enough when you have the field <laughs> of sixty eight. But I'm asking you all the way now in November. Who do you got? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. I'm sticking with the Michigan State pick, and I know it's a boring pick, but maybe a little bit less boring now that they've opened the season with a loss. I think that you know people overreact to the Champions Classic every single year. People also overreact to Michigan State losing games in November and December every single year. Uh, I wrote about this earlier um, when I did my predictions post. You know they've been ranked in 18 of Tom Izzo's last 20 seasons in the preseason poll. 13 of those 18 years, when the the calendar has flipped to the new year, they've been ranked lower in the poll than they were to start the season. This is kind of what they do. They lose games in November and December. Izzo likes to break guys down and build them back up. I think they can get a little bit healthier as time goes on. Even if they don't get Josh Lankford back, Kyle Arnes can get his legs back underneath and he can be fully healthy. I think Michigan State, by the time they get to the NCAA tournament, is going to be as good as anybody in the country. And they've got a proven guy in Cassius Winston who is maybe the most clutch player in America. And I really think Aaron Henry is going to be a breakout star. He wasn't great against Kentucky, but he has all the tools necessary to be a tremendous college player and I think also an NBA draft pick. Um, Xavier Tillman is a, a guy that people don't have an answer for inside. I'm still on the Michigan State bandwagon. I'm not. I, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't wind up a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and I wouldn't be shocked if they got beat uh, at some point. But I still think they're the safest bet in the country right now. I'm going to trust Tom Izzo to get his second national title, and he needs it. I mean, it's been, what, uh, almost two decades now since Michigan State won that national championship back in, in 2000. He needs that second title to solidify his reputation as one of the three or four best coaches in the sport and an all-time great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, tw- yeah, it will be 20 years by the time that the NCAA tournament rolls around. And, yeah, you gotta be you got to say something. I-, I trust Tom Izzo as a head coach. A lot of times in college basketball, you have to look at those head coaches. Who do you think will have their team hitting the right form at the right part of the season? I think Tom Izzo definitely can do that. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Had a great time talking with Mike. Really, really knowledgeable on college basketball. I felt like I learned a lot uh, during that conversation. Um, and definitely make sure to go check out his stuff. He's been writing some really cool pieces leading up uh, to this season. He has one right now. There's 10 predictions uh, for the college basketball season. Lots of really cool nuggets in there. I definitely recommend that article. And if you want to check out his stuff, I'll have links down in the show notes so you can follow him and read his work. And with that... That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Jackson Neal Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on your favorite platforms. That does a lot to help grow the show. And new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
For more episodes of this podcast, as well as my music discussion podcast and my interview series, Anything Goes with Jackson Neal, go over to jacksonnealpodcast.com. That's the place where I archive all of my episodes. If you're a really big fan of this show, maybe you want to consider becoming a subscriber over on Patreon. Over there, for just a couple dollars a month or even a buck a month, you can get access to cool bonus content from all three of my podcasts, including bonus segments here from this sports podcast every single month. I write, record, produce, do everything for these podcasts myself as a full-time college student, so any little bit of support really goes a long way in helping me spend, being able to spend more time making these cool episodes. If you want to stay up to date on everything I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at JacksonNeal20. Today's music is by Analog by Nature with their song CDK Sunday. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you all next time.